Hello everyone, it's Friday the 14th of January and welcome to episode 88 of the Kite Podcast with me, Ben Eagle. And me, Will Evans. Good morning, everybody. Last week on the show, John and Chris set the scene for the year and spoke about the market environment and the likelihood for increased milk prices, but caveated by increased input costs. Today, we're focusing on those costs. So who better to be with us than two podcast veterans, James Bolsworth, Managing Director at CRM Agri Commodities and Kite's very own feed guru, Tim Davis, who is a partner with Kite. As always, we're also joined by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week? Well, I'm afraid I misread Becky's memo again and thought we were talking with a rabble, not about arable. So I'm bringing (laughs) you my report from the home of the biggest rabble in the country, the number 10 garden. (laughs) Bought my own booze, but no one seems to be in party mood. And the only other people here are the staff members who are digging a six foot long, six foot deep hole. (laughs) Who that's for. Anyway, back to this podcast and the arable non-rabble we've got on today, Professors Jim and Tim, true gentlemen and so brilliant and knowledgeable on arable and feed stuff, I wanted to do justice to them being here. So I've written them a poem. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, not again. I <laughs> always worry when I really need to do it justice and we're thinking... Please don't. Oh, <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. I bet no one else has written you a poem, have they, James? <laughs> Never. <laughs> anyway, here it is. There was a young man called Jim who had a podcast sidekick called Tim. They comment on corn crops and soya and maize on a whim and worship wheat and the weather and a wonder that's known as La Nina, a buxom young stripper. From Bosnia, Herzegovina. (laughs) (laughs) How good is that, hey? (laughs) I look forward to hearing more about Nina later. Anyway, before we get to hear more about her, here's my market report. Well, first comes the news that the Dutch Dairy Board have dropped its butter price for the first time since last July. It dropped its price 40 euros down to 6,080. But those prices are just insanely high and way above what traders tell me are the realistic market prices now. They're uh, down to as low as 5,400 euros to about 5,750. And cream prices are down too. Uh, Demand is always weak for fat at this time of year because it's diet season for most people that's apart from athletes with torsos to die for like will and ben tim and jim uh skim milk powder continues this great run of I, I just hang on a minute hang on i'm sorry i i think you might have missed somebody there no, no, no. You, don't, you don't have a torso becky ladies <laughs> Young lady, I'm just going straight from neck to legs. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies don't have torsos, do they? Will <laughs> don't, don't bring me into this. <laughs> You're getting your own grave. <laughs> 
all right then, apart from Will and Ben, Tim and Jim and Becky. Where was I? Um, <laughs> apart from in that hole. <laughs> I can't wait for this podcast feedback. <laughs> uh, skim milk powder. Yes, let's talk about skim milk powder. Uh, all right, let's not. It's uh, it's still good. Uh, Three thousand five hundred euros. Um, together with butter, uh, skim powder puts a price uh, farm gate price of around forty pence on the board after all costs and a margin. And even with our high sterling rate, but I'm still not sure farmers are going to get that sort of a price. Uh, futures uh, butter futures dip this week and are all under five thousand eight hundred euros now for March onwards and way above the current market, uh, real market price. So could see some slippage there. And Muller Farmers received their latest futures offer this week. Um, their prices are a penny or two down on my figures and, and dropped below 33p for November, which looked very grim, particularly with energy companies saying fuel prices will remain high for at least two years. Here, butter prices are about the same um, and cream prices are very good, actually, above European ones, uh, trading around 220 to 230. Uh, so higher than the EU's for the first time in ages. And spot milk, well, get this on spot milk. Uh, some traders say they're in the high 40 pence zone. Uh, some say it's 50 pence and even higher than that delivered into London or specifically Freshways, uh, which explains why it's going to be paying 36 pence for March. Uh, cheese remains as it was, very firm indeed, but cheesemaker incomes have boosted, uh, been boosted again this week by a soaring whey price. Uh, they've crossed the 1,300 euro threshold for the first time ever. So that's it. Another positive report, although some uh, worries on butter at the moment. Uh, over to the Professor Boffs now and to finding more about that young lady, El Nina. While I continue to dig that hole. And second thoughts, why am I bothering? Nobody digs bigger, better, deeper holes these days than number 10. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, T.S. Elliot. James, welcome back to the show. Um, what's trading looking like generally at the start of this year, uh, especially now the traders have sobered up after Christmas? Oh, thank you very much, Will, and, and thank you, uh, Chris, uh, for that, that that lovely poem. You're right; I have never had a poem written to me, so um, uh, that'll stay with me with me forever. You probably never had a stripper from Bosnia Herzegovina either. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Not on air. No comment. No comment. <laughs> um, have traders sobered up after Christmas? Well, uh, debatable, I'd say. After after last year's profits, it's probably going to take a while for these traders to sober up. I can imagine after the bonuses some of these guys have been paid. Mm. Um, Let's take take Cargill for example. Um, one of the world's largest traders of agricultural commodities, uh, owner. Of a, of a well-known UK merchant, let's not mention any names, uh, publicly they made um, more profit in just the last nine months um, of last fiscal year than they did in any other full year um, in their history. So that just shows how beneficial 
um, not just within agriculture, but within metals and, um, and, and many other raw materials, um, this volatility has been for commodity traders around the world. Um, funds as well, hedge funds, speculative funds, they've also benefited from this volatility, um, driving huge profits for fund managers, um, a renewed interest in commodity markets, which, which really had fallen out of favour for, for quite a while, um, uh, but is now back and uh, they are really uh, maximising the opportunities in these markets. In terms of you know what's happened to the market to start the year, well, it's been a pretty volatile start um, to 2022. Um, you don't need to look much further than Rapeseed, which started the year uh, trading at 760 euros a tonne, uh, rallied to 840, and now it's back down at 760 euros a tonne. So that's 160 euros a tonne of, of movement in 10 trading days. And, and, and I doubt most people have had time to take down their Christmas trees yet. Uh, although, you know, I hope, well, hopefully, hopefully you all have. Um, <laughs> wheat, wheat's lower. Uh, it's trading at about £210 a tonne. Uh, corn pretty stable. Uh, and the bulls are, are now backing beans. Uh, but we'll cover that a bit later uh, when we talk about, um, and I'll try and compose myself, <clears throat> Lanina and uh, and all the events surrounding weather in South America. Um, yeah. Demand's lacking at the moment, uh, but showing signs of recovery um, and likely the current prices will really be a, a big incentive for, for global importers who still have plenty to cover this season. Hmm. So, so so what about stock levels, especially in relation to maize and, and, and wheat, uh, the things that will be on dairy farmers' minds? What are, what are they looking like? So stocks is, is very topical, and um, particularly what I want to focus on and discuss is, is, is stock-to-use ratios. Uh, I think that that gives a much clearer picture um, when you compare the supply situation to the demand situation, and we know that overall demand is rising year on year. So if we look at stock-to-use ratios globally for major exporters of wheat, um, and that, that's critical, it shows the tradable surplus available, and we're looking at 22%, which is the lowest level um, since around 2012-2013, um, and hence we're still seeing prices, although uh, softer so far this year, um, and, and they were near the highs which we saw back in November, um, uh, they are still very, very elevated relative to long-term averages. And just to highlight there, for wheat in the UK, long-term average still sits at just over £150 a tonne. Uh, so we are seeing prices extremely elevated, as I'm sure most people are, are very aware. Um, maize um, globally, or corn, stock-to-use ratio is currently at around 12%, uh, so uh, very tight. And that's after after two years of uh, of this Lanina weather phenomenon, um, and uh, and and she is still very present and uh, causing a lot of concern, particularly in South America. Um, corn stocks uh, uh, have been revised slightly lower in yesterday's USDA report, um, and that's mainly come from sorry two days ago. That's mainly come from uh, the losses in South America, and in fact, temperatures in Argentina have have been as high as 40 degrees Celsius this week. So really quite concerning out there and some significant yield reductions as a result. Um, uh, and uh, of course, at the moment for wheat, uh, it's it's a fairly benign uh, period um, dormancy across the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, one area where there is a bit of risk is in the US plains, the Southern US, big winter wheat growing regions where it's been very dry. Um, and uh, not only is that causing reductions in crop conditions out there for wheat, uh, but also, interestingly, for this podcast, it's also causing a, a, a much uh, sharper, uh, sharply higher price in in, in, the, in dairy products. Um, and this is caused by lower cow numbers overall. So um, something to to keep an eye on out there as well. Mm. 
James, can we focus in on La Nina um, and and the international weather generally? Um, uh, perhaps focusing on Brazil and Argentina to start with. What is this impact, and 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 uh, what what do you think the outlook of this will be, particularly when it comes to say soya maize? Yeah, so I mean, South America, Brazil, and Argentina are significant uh, producers, major producers globally of both corn and soybeans. Um, and the impact from La Nina at the moment is, is covering both of those. Uh, firstly, uh, we've seen uh, delayed plantings, particularly in Argentina, uh, for corn. And um, those delayed plantings are going to uh, place uh, greater requirements on exports in al- an already tight year of stocks, as I mentioned, on the US and Ukraine. Um, and they're going to have to fill the gap, really, until around April, May, when that South American supply comes online. So that's going to really test supply chains. It's going to test stock levels um, and uh, it's going to keep things elevated uh, at these sorts of levels, or at least keep these markets very tight and nervous to weather issues. Um, Argentina is, is a smaller producer of corn, but they export as much or just slightly less than, than Brazil. Um, uh, and that's due to slightly smaller domestic consumption. Um, uh, and from a soybean uh, perspective, they're a very large crusher um, and therefore exporter of both meal and oil, uh, particularly to Europe and indeed the UK. Uh, so uh, the impact of La Nina has been pretty significant. And, and just to drop back into to your comments on the, on the USDA report, um, uh, we did see that come out and we saw uh, some of the big changes uh, to Argentina and Brazil, um, who lost, uh, well, combined 8 million tonnes of their production of soybeans. Argentina dropped 3 million tonnes, Brazil around 5 million tonnes. Um, corn wasn't as so impacted, uh, and um, the current drought um, in, in is impacting more Brazil's first corn, uh, but not to the same degree. Um, and uh, that first corn generally tends to be used domestically, and then the second corn is what they will they will export. Um, so what we could see is if we continue to see reductions in Brazil's production prospects, it's going to mean there's less to export when that second crop becomes available. Um, so that's going to keep that market tighter for longer. Um, so all in all, uh, particularly over this holiday period, which we've just had, um, that's when we started to see things really heat up and dry up. Um, and uh, the impact, we think, is not yet fully absorbed into particularly the USDA numbers, uh, but not yet into the price either. Tim, uh, where does where does soya um, sit in terms of a diet in terms of diets at the moment, um, and and how is it likely to sit this year, especially when it comes to the rate versus soya question in terms of cost effectiveness? Yeah. Um, so, soya last uh, last autumn was sort of running around three hundred and fifty pound a ton uh, when uh, rape at the time was about three hundred, and at, so last autumn quite a lot of farmers booked uh, soya forward because um, at three hundred and fifty pound a ton it's quite cost effective and uh, so it has crept into diets um, a, a bit more. Um, but uh, since Christmas, um, soya's gone back up again on the back of these weather concerns that James was talking about in Brazil and Argentina. And soya's now sitting at around sort of 430, 420 on the spot market. And, and it's going to stay up at about £400 uh, until until we get into the summer period. So at the moment, um, 
I think soy is just a bit too expensive again, uh, you know, rel- relative to to rape, which is around sort of three twenty, and um, and and it's not just the price, but but rape also has a better amino acid profile for for cows. Um, it's high in methionine, higher in methionine relative to the other amino acids, and it's higher in histidine. So nutritionally. Um, rape is still a better protein, as far as I'm concerned, and and the research and the and what we see on farms, we are herds giving 42 liter averages just on rape type diets, and um, and uh, <clears throat> so so rape, so rape is still there, still there, you know, nutritionally, uh, cost effective wise, is still effective. Um, the only drawback is whether it'll be available, and um, with rape supplies sort of 10 year low probably. Uh, there's a question mark whether it'll it'll supplies will get towards June June July and um, um, there is more distillers uh, the Virgo and Ensis are, are winding up production the Virgo's coming in uh, March time switching on so there'll be more maize distillers um, available this summer so that'll relieve some of the pressure on rape but stocks are still likely to be tight. Mm. Tim, you mentioned that. Um... A lot of your clients out there would have booked their contracts for winter feed, um, but those contracts will come to an end in April. How are you starting to plan for what happens next for them? April doesn't seem yeah. very far away all of a sudden. <laughs> well, to be honest, Will, a lot of those guys have already booked the summer already, mm. and, and and I've got farmers now. We're talking about next winter, and, and we're already starting to book um, – uh, for, yeah, next winter. So some will some will have taken sort of cover through to January twenty twenty three by now. So the the bank sort of twelve months in it ahead now. Of course, that doesn't apply to everybody. Uh, you're right. A lot of people will come out of um, you know will will run out of uh, the winter contracts or 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 and they, and they'll be looking to you know, for for feed again for this summer. Um, for those guys, I think they, they they need to get on with it. There's an opportunity now because the, there's a bit of a pause in the market because wheat, as James has said, has sort of fallen, sitting around sort of two ten ex Anglia for for the May period and about one ninety for November, and uh, so 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 that's quite a good buying opportunity, I think, for the summer period. It's a definite, and for the winter period, you probably ought to cover sort of thirty percent of your wheat. And on proteins, um, rape is relatively cheap. Um, I say relatively cheap. It's still expensive, but it, but but it's a, you, you can get it delivered on farm for about two forty, two fifty uh, for next winter. For this summer, it's um, it's around the sort of three hundred mark, three eighty mark, um, <clears throat> which is still cost effective, more 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 cost than we are used to. But um, it's uh, it's important that farmers keep um, keep cows milking because there's nothing worse. The, the, the worst thing you can possibly do is panic and and uh, um, lose uh, lose milk, which then will ramp up your cost production, lose fertility, which will damage the business for sort of 18 months. So if, if you know, so you've got to keep cows milking yeah. um, if you've got uh, the option to. Do a bit of spring spring grazing. You can turn, you know, uh, spring calves. Of course, can go out to grass. That'll be great for them. <clears throat> um, uh, mid to late uh, lactation cows, they can go out to grass. But early lactation, high yielding cows should really be protected, kept indoors, and um, and 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 yeah, looked after and pampered as we normally do. James, there were some differences in the alignment of prices between the EU and uh, US at the end of last year. 
Um, we've obviously talked about the weather, um, but what other things are, are causing that now? Is it is it things like buyers? I mean, what impact is is China having, for instance? Yeah, so um, I mean, the 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 alignment issue um, in terms of the price difference is focused around around the wheat, and and essentially it's, it's it revolves around supply and demand. Uh, between Europe and the US, uh, both major wheat exporters. Um, so if you consider a situation where the US has a surplus of wheat, while there's very little in, in Europe, then you would expect to see uh, European prices higher than US prices in order to encourage US exports and protect European to- stocks and, and then vice versa if, if you saw the, the opposite situation. Um, uh, ultimately, the price is there to to incentivize or limit the exports with the ultimate goal of really protecting stock levels within a country um, or an exporting nation. Um, uh, so uh, this season, we've seen a mixture of both those scenarios. So essentially, we've seen European values um, and indeed UK values, which were which were cheap, have to rise relative to other global exporters in order to protect limited stocks. Um, uh, which we have available. And we saw a pretty robust start to the season, um, particularly here in the UK. We were seeing very strong levels of exports, um, which was unsustainable in our opinion. And that's um, ultimately what we've seen um, until recently when we saw a, a fast rise in UK values relative to European values and indeed the, the US, uh, because we needed to see those prices come up to protect uh, protect stocks. Currently, we think the European values are going to remain at, a, at an elevated level we're currently trading at about 30 euros a ton premium to the US, um, and that needs to remain in place for the rest of the season to, to protect those stocks. Um, in terms of the, the, the curve um, for China, I mean, it's, it's a huge question and one which we which we can't avoid uh, for, for these markets this season. Um, uh, it's the big unknown. And uh, for China, who last year imported 29 million tons of corn, this year, they're imported to forecast, uh, to forecast to import another 26 million tonnes of corn uh, relative to two years ago where they were only importing around seven and a half million tonnes of corn. Uh, so that's a huge jump. And if you consider that at the moment today, they've only imported 12 million tonnes of corn. Well, there's a lot of importing and a lot of buying left to do by these Chinese uh, importers um, who have seen a couple of years now of, of very rapidly rebuilding uh, hog herds after the swine flu. A lot of Chinese farmers uh, left the industry to pursue better paid jobs in the city. Um, this has led to a, a far greater industrialization, commercialization, if you like, of the Chinese pig industry. And uh, that means uh, you've got a far more intensive feeding, uh, you've got uh, far higher requirements. And at the moment, you're seeing a, a rapidly maturing hog herd, which is only going to require more feed going forward. So you can see that demand for meal and corn um, start to increase um, over the next couple of years. And it looks set to remain the trend. You know, This Chinese industrialization of, of agriculture and, and the livestock industry is not going to suddenly disappear. Um, so I'd say, really, we need to be placing very close attention to Chinese imports. If they do hit the sorts of import levels which are expected this season of 26 million tonnes or even more, then you have potential for higher prices, particularly considering the issues we've seen in South America, the delays in, in exports, uh, uh, as I've mentioned earlier. Um, all of these factors need need, uh, need 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 a lot of focus this season, we would say, and we'll be watching them very closely. Um, and China are looking for that next opportunity to get back into these markets. And generally, they're looking for lower prices. And that's when they're buying. And I think that, you know, from a from a from a feeder's perspective, from a farmer's perspective, 
they should be aware that that is really a strategy which which they are playing into, and, and therefore, um, as Tim mentioned, is a good strategy for farmers to be looking at too. Interesting times, James. Uh, can we have a um, can we have a fertilizer update um, in terms of uh, on a on a large on a on a big scale on a macro level? Um, what's your view on prices and availability right now? Please say they're going to come down. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Please give do. us some good news. Got the weight of lots of farmers sitting <laughs> your shoulders right yeah. now. James. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been an extraordinary year for, for fertilizer markets, say that. of course, and uh, and um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be too optimistic, but but um, but clearly things remain very volatile. Um, uh, we've seen, yeah, ultimately fertilizer prices very closely aligned with gas prices, um, uh, and gas prices rallied as um, as stocks declined. Um, forecast for a colder winter, uh, politics with Russia, um, the list goes on. Um, and uh, that led to increased cost of production for, for nitrogen in particular and other fertilizers. And um, this led to a lot of these plants, in many cases, not just reducing output, but switching off entirely. And it's a big decision to switch off these sorts of plants because, uh, you know, obviously there's a huge amount of overca- overheads. Um, there's a lot of cost involved and, um, and you don't do it lightly. So the decision to increase the output to... Uh, this pre-gas crisis level um, for fertilizer, that is, um, is is not going to be made lightly, and uh, it, it will likely need to see some sustained move lower in gas values. And we've seen gas prices come under pressure. Uh, we've seen increased um, uh, supply. Uh, we've seen a warmer winter than was initially forecast, although we're not out of it yet. And um, and that's globally. I mean. Um, and uh, and uh, at the same time, um, you know, those gas prices have 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 started to ease from very high levels, just really due to demand rationing. Um, at the same time, though, we've got to consider that um, a lot of this is politics. Uh, uh, one third of Europe's gas supply comes from Russia, um, and uh, we cannot rely on Russia at the moment. Clearly, there's a lot of instability out there. Uh, with um, uh, their their movements around the Ukrainian border, um, and uh, who knows how that's going to pan out. So a lot of moving parts to the fertilizer market at the moment. Um, I would, similarly to, to to what Tim's been saying on the feed buying, um, be look at fertilizer and and look to take opportunities this season at least um, when they present themselves, uh, because it could take a long time for these markets to get back in balance. Okay. Can I so, just push James a little bit on that and say, what, you know, what, what is an opportunity? Because uh, in your right mind, you know, five fifty today versus six fifty for nitrogen yesterday. You know, there's a lot of farmers sat waiting mm. for it to come back to three hundred, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, I, I, as I said, you know, it's it's it, a lot of this is politics, and um, it's. Uh, I would not want to be taking big, big risks. It's a, it's a, it's a case of focusing on on margins, um, taking opportunities when they're there, if they're there, and not getting too bearish. Um, I, I would say I, I wouldn't be holding out for those sorts of levels, um, particularly in the next few months. Uh, into next season, it's a different picture. Uh, but uh, for now, yeah, there is still a lot uh, of moving parts in this market and a lot which could keep these gas prices and nitrogen prices and fertilizer prices elevated um moving forwards so taking that context tim um can we look at uh forage moving ahead and and what 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 that means for that yeah well um 
I, I, I think farmers should uh, should get on and buy the fertilizer, however much it hurts. Um, if if you haven't got good forage, you know it's you're, you're, the, the milk production is is sort of dead. Um, we've we've seen how um, last summer's uh, sort of um, weather uh, sort of interfered, and and you know, we've got a lot of these low ME silages, low protein silages, and they're really difficult to get milk out, and that's why the country's sort of billion liters a day down. And um, um, you know, you know, the best way to get around these high feed costs is is to have some good uh, good grass silage in the clamp. So um, fertilizer is expensive, yeah, but um, in the total cost of grass production, yeah, the, all the other costs are going to make growing silage. Um, it's 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 not uh, it's not that it's not restrictive. So people ought to um, get on and. Um, Get, get some fertilizer booked and 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 then start planning now you know making sure soil ph is a healthy up above six um working back from when they're going to cut uh to when the last date for putting fertilizer and slurry on M- making the most of the slurry of course um uh, but being uh, being being ready to go when the weather's right and 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 then when it comes to actually cutting the grass get on with it you know i i, I get fed up with seeing farms who Cut grass and leave the ground, leave the stuff on the ground wilting for sort of two or three days while all the sugars disappear and 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 the, the swath is turning yellow and 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 then they bring this shit in and they put in the clamps and it's you know it's lost a lot of its feed value and, uh, yeah, and then they cover it with black plastic that's peppered with holes. You know, you ought to put a an oxygen barrier on and just you know just seal the damn thing properly and um, you know use a good additive you know to preserve those sugars because you know these high sugar grasses you know high sugar silages I mean they're rocky fields. I mean the way cows perform is just magic and um, and uh, too ma- too many people are missing that really. So, so be professional about it and get on with it. That's what I would say. Fantastic. Um, that's what we like to hear. Uh, oh, let's... I'll check in another one, Will, while you're there. Um, if you think about a cost of fertilizer, six hundred pound a ton, say, well, that's only going to buy you a ton and a half of soya, which which isn't going to go very far. Whereas a ton of fertilizer, you know, secures a lot of grass. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, James, we we'll start to wrap this up. What is your advice to listeners <laughs> at the moment in terms of buying? An easy book? question. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You've sort of said, "Well, uh, you've kind of covered this a little bit already." But, but what what advice would you give direct to dairy farmers who are listening? I think, from an from an input point of view, um, it's pretty clear that the risks are still very high. Yes, prices are high. They've come off slightly, but we are still seeing very, very tight markets. And whether um, uh, with, um, with with La Nina still looking strong um, and the, the impact of that uh, very much visible at this stage and likely to continue in South America in particular, and then who knows how long that lasts um, into the Northern Hemisphere next year, um, there are plenty of risks. So we do need to see production improving um uh, and stock levels improving and that's not going to happen overnight uh, you could say it's unlikely we're going to see a third year um of these big weather issues around the world um as well as the demand issues which came on the back of of, of the pandemic um and supply chain um uh, but i think it, it's going to be a case of of buying um when those opportunities emerge and you know as tim said this is an opportunity um I think long term, if you look, you know, at the bigger picture, um, which you know we are focusing on at the moment, 
uh, it, it's more of a macroeconomic issue and um, the impact of inflation um, and most importantly, how central banks are going to manage that is, is going to be key. And I think we're in a currently very low interest rate environment that is often uh, very bullish for commodity markets. So it's adding to the fuel on this fire at this stage. Um, but uh, we've already started to see inflation rates rising. Uh, the US have seen their fastest uh, rate of increase in, in 40 years in inflation. Uh, in the UK, we've already had interest rate rises. Governments are going to have to act in order to control inflation. And those higher interest rates generally mean a stronger dollar. Most commodities are priced in dollars. So longer term, that's going to weigh on commodity values um, as, as, as governments start to increase interest rates in order to control this inflation, um, which obviously from a buyer's perspective is good, particularly if you then add improved crop conditions um, uh, uh, going forward. Uh, hopefully we'll start to see better seasons than the two which we've, we've just come through. Thank you, James. And Tim, um, apart from uh, get on with it and cover your silage clamps um, properly, what would your advice uh, for action points be for our listeners? I think the main thing is to be proactive. Um, just sitting back, hoping and waiting is not a good strategy in this sort of market. When there are opportunities, people should take them, whatever whatever they are. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for today. But a very big thank you to our guests, James Bolsworth, Tim Davis, and Chris Walkland. Thank you very much for listening. We are keen to hear your feedback on the show um, in terms of what you'd like us to be discussing this year and how you think we're doing generally. Um, if you have any comments or feedback, there is a survey monkey uh, that you can find in the notes to this episode um, and in this week's Kite newsletter. Please do complete that. That would be really, really helpful for us. Um, alternatively, you can always message Becky at Kite Consulting on Twitter or email becky.leach at kiteconsulting.com. Next week, uh, we'll be focusing on marketing um, and we'll be joined by the AHDB's Liam Byrne to talk about their We Eat Balance campaign. I'm sure some of you will have seen the TV ad for that. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from all of us here. <laughs>